Welcome back to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host, A.J. Torres. This week, we got some news from NFL Week 7, some stuff from north of the border with the CFL, going down under to recap the grand final, and some interesting notes from Europe. But we'll start with the thriller game from, well, two thriller games from this week in the NFL. First, the Steelers remain undefeated as they take down the Titans in the Battle of the Unbeatens, and they are the only undefeated team left standing after the Seahawks fell in an absolute thriller in Arizona to the Cardinals. So, I was fortunate enough to see the Steelers and Titans game where I'm at, and for a long time it looked like the Steelers were in control, and then just at the very end... Tennessee really gave it a a run for their money and then missed field goal by Gostowski helped the Steelers persevere. So what do you make of that quality action? I think if Gostkowski is in Patriot form and makes that kick, any team that gets the ball, that possession in overtime, wins that game. So we got, a, we got a couple of notes here. Big Ben had 49 throws, three picks. Mm-hmm. He was playing great this year, but if that's a down game, that one's it. Now, Tannenbaum, we thought he was having a great year so far. I mean, there's flashes of him being this great guy that we've seen and we thought that he was going to be this great marino gave him a more uh, vote of confidence the owner did for the dolphins obviously the titans like him but after all the coaching changes all the coordinator changes all these guys going in and out of the place he's home and 18 for uh let's see 18 of 30 to 22 touchdowns my only thought of that game is Let's just be real. If you stop King Henry under a hundred yards, you played the game well. That's all it comes yep. down to, right? Just about. Besides that, we have an R tight end we've never heard of. AJ Brown is back and he looks phenomenal. And that's really about it. Outside yeah. of that offensive line trouble with the Titans, which that's gonna really that's gonna really affect them. Jack Conklin's a Brown. Lawan's got a knee injury, so that is going to be very delicate. Replacing one guy on the offensive line, it's hard. Replacing two for a guy that really needs it because you're very rush-heavy, that's got to be difficult. Yeah, it certainly will be a challenge to overcome with Lawan out for the year with that knee injury. And one of those Big Ben interceptions was at the end of the first half, which he was just throwing into the end zone. One could make that argument, although I really didn't know why throwing into the end zone was necessary. They could have, they still had some time, they could have taken a shorter completion and then got a field goal out of it. It was something I did not expect from him. Very true. But he's one of the last gunslingers you'll ever see. Think about it, 49 attempts. 
Yeah, that's true. One and, of the last old school gun slingers you'll ever see in the NFL the way things are going. Yep. And quietly, Deontay Johnson has really become a weapon for that team. It's just Big Ben just goes through receivers and he makes them all look good. You had Santonio Holmes, you had Mike Wallace, you had A B, then you have Deontay Johnson. I'm not saying all these guys are necessarily equal, but just no matter who they plug in, it just seems to work. They spread out. I mean, Eric Ebron, six catches for 50 yards. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster really hasn't been a huge impact player for him this year. It's been kind of surprising. If you put your best uh, defensive back on him when there's so many other options, he spreads the ball. I mean, at this point, right, if you're in a single back formation, you have Juju Deontay, James Washington, and Chase Claypool. And you decide if James Conner's in the backfield or you go with the tight end. Eric Ebron's capable. Vance McDonald's capable. Tough. Definitely. Chiefs get a lot of praise for the diversity of weapons they have, but the Steelers aren't far behind. It's actually funny because last week I'm like, where is McCole Hardman? And I didn't even see him. Now, mind you, look at all the weapons they have in the practice squad alone. No Sammy Watkins playing. There's not any crisis. That's very true. Now let's jump to the thriller in the desert where Seahawks were up 27-17 at half and then Cardinals' defense just really (laughs) played well in the second half, particularly down the stretch in the fourth quarter, preventing Russell Wilson from sealing out the game. And Kyler Murray, all-around great effort, over 300 passing yards, over 50 rushing yards, and just slinging it. I mean, both about 50 attempts each quarterback. I mean, this was an offensive-driven game. No Are you doubt. expecting on a bad defense that Cowler's going to score on you both ways? Agreed? Agreed. But if you look at the offensive weapons out here, too, I mean, Kenny Drake, he's been a disappointment. Franchise tag is not going to happen next year. But this offense just does better when Chase Edmonds takes the field. Look at receiving. Seven catches, 87 yards. Rushing. Five carries, 58 yards. Mm-hmm. Does Key Drake just not have it anymore, or was it just last year was luck? I mean, if you look at the weapons on his team, and I'm not counting Moses, as I call Larry Fitzgerald. You got Hop. You got Edmonds. You got Arnold. You got Kirk. Isabella isn't looked at, but I've seen him be capable. Key Drake's hurt, and that's not me included. Larry Fitzgerald, the future Hall of Famer. Right. I just wonder if Edmonds fits that air raid, spread the field vertically and horizontally type just better than Drake does. Drake seems more of that between-the-tackles type runner, and I think Cardinals really diversified their offense a little bit more. I think Edmonds is going to be your great value brand version of Austin Eckler. 
You want to put him in the slot? Fine. You want to have him run up the middle? Fine. You want to have him do a screen pass? Fine. He just knows how it works. He's just got to be playing the game. You got to give him the chance at first down back. And he was doing great until the Dolphins decided to trade him away for nothing to the Cardinals, and then that's what took away Chase Edmonds' job. And now with what Drake is going to want for, you know, per year for like four years, Edmonds is going to win this job. Yeah, he probably will. But, of course, the play from that game that everyone's talking about is the Buda Baker interception where DJ Metcalf ran him down inside the 10. Yes. That was crazy. Absolutely. I got to see a race between him, Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert. Those guys run 20-some-odd miles an hour. And you could say McCole Hardman because he runs 22, 23 miles an hour. I know most of them run 23. How that goes at hard yard dash, we'll see. Hopefully. Could somebody sponsor this, please? ESPN Sports Center, something? That'd be great. Yeah, instead of the Pro Bowl, let's just have like a track and field day with the NFL. That would be so much more interesting. <laughs> That'd be great. You could have, like, a shot put, a discus, something like that. Have a deadlift competition? I'd watch that. Speaking of rundowns, I actually saw on Twitter the other day when Larry Allen, former Cowboys offensive lineman, ran down a linebacker after an interception. I'm like, this is a 330-pound <laughs> dude just chasing this linebacker down. I was like... That's something right there. Actually, I forgot the guy, but the Raiders have somebody. He, I think he's like six foot eight, three eighty. Could you imagine seeing that guy in person? Really? Hmm. Guy looks like next to freaking uh, Big Show, the professional wrestler. Like, damn. Yeah. Like, that's just wild. Oh, it is. Now let's get to our favorite portion of this program lately, which has been bagging on the NFC least. Oh, the pain. Yes. So anyways, the Cowboys were embarrassed by the Washington football team on Sunday as Dalton just could not get anything going and the worst defense in NFL history, as you said, just is all out of whack. And yep. I mean, I get that. I get it that their offensive line, which they had invested a lot in over the past few years, has kind of fallen apart with Frederick retiring, Lyle Collins out for the year, Tyron Smith out for the year. And now Zach Martin on the injured list for some time, but good grief. It was like, it just looked like the guys would weren't putting forth any effort into that. It's like, why don't we get Larry Allen back and see if he'll start on this line next week? Something. Oh, I'd watch that. See how Larry Allen and yeah. at his current age would look. 
Absolutely. And continuing on this division, last week I thought the Giants were going to pull the upset in Philadelphia, and they should have, but they blew it. I get. Yep, Evan Ingram dropped the ball. The pain. Yep. And so it continues with the theme that the Eagles have been going on this year, which is basically get down big after three quarters and then suddenly Tebow time and then just come back in the fourth. That's terrible. So as it stands, Eagles might be the favorite to win this division, which is kind of sad. Also, if you look at their roster... Offense, there's only two out of 11 starters. Yeah, something like that. It's crazy. But, I mean, they get yeah, those it's, guys it's the back. the center and the quarterback. That's it. Yeah. And Deshaun Jackson probably isn't going to come back until the very end of the year at the earliest. No idea about Alshon Jeffrey or Jalen Rager or Miles Sanders, for that matter. Yeah. If they get healthy, maybe they would be decent, but I don't know. But continuing on teams, the theme of teams that blew it this weekend, the Bengals gave up a touchdown in the last 15 seconds to lose to the Browns, and the Falcons failed in a way that only the Falcons could do. I still couldn't believe it. They're down 16-14, Todd Gurley tries not to score. He falls, and the ball crosses the plane, and he scores. I'm just like, I think, I think what? it went to his head where he goes, "Oh no, no!" And then he, and then... yeah, that might have been the case that he was overthinking it. Very. Kind of reminds me of the play from Super Bowl Forty Six, which was. Giants-Patriots round two, whenever Ahmad Bradshaw had the ball, and then at the very end he turned his back to the end zone like he wasn't going to score, and then he just kind of fell in. I didn't understand that. I mean, my thought at that moment in time, I remember, was, you know, get down to the one or two, take a knee, and then just set up a chip shot field goal where you'd win 18-17. But that's not what happened. I don't think the Patriots had any timeouts at that point, so I think the Giants could have just run down the clock. Possibly. Yeah, but the Giants held on, so I guess all was forgiven for Bradshaw on that one. For now. Well, I mean, Bradshaw's not in the league anymore, so I don't know what could really change it now. (laughs) Exactly. Anyways, I was trying to break down power rankings for each of the conferences today. And my AFC top five is as follows. Number one, we got the Steelers. Obviously, they're undefeated. Then you got the Chiefs, got the Ravens, the Titans. And that fifth spot is really tricky because you feel like the top four are kind of better than everyone else. I got the Colts in the five spot. 
it's so hard. It really is. But, uh, you're right, it's, it's just so hard to choose. I mean, it's Browns or the Colts, right? Or maybe I the mean, Bills. Or the Bills. I mean, the only thing that just reeks about this is I think Josh Allen is hurt. I think the defense hasn't warmed up yet. I mean, if you look at the Chiefs' defense, it's been terrible. And it's been good. Right. I'm going to go Bills for the fifth spot on my list, and you're leaning towards Colts? Yeah, I just I like what I've seen from the Colts' defense this year. Phillip Rivers is a little erratic, but, I mean, he can still get it done in places. I just don't trust the Bills' defense, and I'm still a little skeptical on the Browns just because... <clears throat> I mean, the Colts was a decent win, but otherwise they squeaked out two wins over the the Bengals, and I mean squeaked them out. And then they had two wins over the NFC least. So I'm just like, you know, I'm glad that Cleveland has turned it around, but I'm wondering how they'll keep this up, especially considering how they looked against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, the really good teams. They just looked like they were a step behind. Fortunately for Cleveland, if they go 9-7, and seven, that might be good enough to get the 7 seed. Jeez. They got a really important game with the Raiders coming up this Sunday. The Raiders were the 8th team on my list in the AFC. So that game will really have massive playoff implications. We'll get to that later. Now for my top five in the NFC. Number one, I got the Packers. Number two, I got the Seahawks. Number three, I got the Bucks. Four Cardinals. And then five, I have the Saints. I think they've endured with Mike Thomas not being in the lineup. If he ever gets his act together, I think they could be a dangerous team again. I just had them barely over the 49ers and the Rams just because 49ers still have a ton of injuries. And the Rams, they have four wins over NFC least teams, and then they managed to take down Nick Foles, which, and Matt Nagy, whose play calling is frustrating his quarterback. Yeah, very true. Like, I mean, that's just... I mean, how else do you put it? I really don't, so... I I had the... I'll put the 49ers on there. Outside, I mean, if Jimmy G just doesn't have that one collapse. And we could... Potentially put the Rams up here, too. We could. Yeah. Again, it's a close call. Really is. It could be a name in the hat. It really is. Power rankings are so tough, especially when you do it divisionally. Like, if you, like do you say the 49ers are a top 10 team right now? I'd probably say no. The Rams? Definitely close. 
Yeah, if we're looking whole league, maybe the rant or the 49ers slip into that 10 spot because they might be better than Indianapolis at this point. But yeah, it's getting really tough to decide. You're kind of splitting hairs between a lot of these teams. With the Bears, I have them currently at 8th in the NFC power rankings. I honestly wonder if they're going to finish up 8-8 eight and eight or the like. Yes. I mean, what I saw from them on Monday night was just perplexing. Going for it on fourth down with a pitch to the left to Cordero Patterson, a wide receiver. I'm just like, what? He's kind of like half and half. He really is. Weird to say the least. Yep. But still, again, I I still say this about Eric Bieniemy, even though I think he's smarter. This is a Andy Reid product. Andy Reid, when the Matt Nagy left, still had the same playbook. Nagy was called the place for a while. But Andy Reid was calling the plays, at, or at least that was his playbook when they won the Super Bowl. Right. And Nagy's had a hot seat. And, well, Nick Foles... He just simply got outplayed. It was a good defense. Jalen Ramsey really put up. The defense That's just true. had a good night. That was, that was really it. That's all it comes down to. It. I mean, they were going to have a bad one eventually. It just happened during a primetime Monday night game. That's true. I mean, 28 for 40. Not bad. Two picks. Love them crucial. Definitely. If you look at the Cole Komet, two catches, 45 yards, two targets. You know, all, all of them caught. Allen Robinson, all four targets, 470 yards. Now, if we go by Darnell Mooney, seven targets, three catches. Okay, a little off. Yep. I just think Tyshawn uh, Gibson was a little fugazi on what should have been interception, but that was about it. If he makes that pick, it's a different game. Yeah, and subtract that interception in the end zone by Foles. Maybe things are different. Yes. if Those are the two plays that mattered most. Because if you go by that, right? That's a tie game. Well, kicking problems are just uh, love and marriage relationship in the city of Chicago. And sure enough, there's somebody in Chicago on game day just about hoping to everything he doesn't drop his pierogi in shock. For whatever guy 
becomes the new stable of the most hated man in Chicago. And there's a long list of them. Yep. So anyways, the NFC least leading Eagles are currently 11th (laughs) in my NFC power ranking. Shows you how sad that division is. And at number 16 is none other than the Alice Cowboys. I literally think they are the worst team in, in the conference right now. I mean, they have no quarterback now. Do we go on? I think we've pretty much covered all the problems that the Cowboys have at this point in time. Not sure we need to. It's just sad because if you look at it, right? Three points. The Jets scored more than the Cowboys. And the Jets played one of the top teams in the AFC. Let's just say top six. Right. The Washington team is one of the worst teams there. Like, literally, for the deadline, I think there's going to be Zilch happening. Well, I said that, but some of the rich got richer. But if you look at the two defensive ends, I believe, that went, one goes to the Ravens, one goes, uh, what was it, uh, to the Cowboys from the Lions, I believe? No, it was the other way around. Everson Griffin was a Cowboy, and he got sent to the Lions. Which is just sad. But if you look at it, right? Seattle could pick one of those two guys up. Sad. The Washington team should be tearing down this thing top to bottom. They don't know who their quarterback is. Kyle Allen, who's unproven, who's eventually going to just pass down the torch. Outside the running backs, it's just really, okay. We got a couple, all right, wide receivers. We got Lane Collins, who's going to be out for the year. Because he's got Achilles surgery. Sweat you overpaid for. Outside Chase Young. What do you got? You can sell off one guy or so. Tear it down and get a draft pick. This is not a great team. And sure enough, Dallas won. Or Dallas just lost completely. Washington won. Stomped all over them. They got, they didn't get a safety on them, if I'm correct? Yep. Washington got a safety. I think Dallas was on their 16 or something ridiculous. Never seen that before. Oh, here we go. Shotgun. Andy Dalton. Sacked for negative nine. Landing Collins. Well, at least he went out with a bang. Recovered by Schultz at the negative one. Tackle in the end zone. Safety. If it starts off like that, well, how about them Cowboys? 
I digress. It's garbage. Absolute garbage. What's going to turn it around? We got a coach making a you-know-what of himself with the Tabasco sauce. We got what's good. You got anything that's good? The future don't even look good. Maybe C.D. Lamb, that might be about it. But of course, with no quarterback, he's not going to be very effective. I'm worried about Denzel Mims. And I bought his autograph card. Out of cheap, by the way, but still. Concept. Looks very, very bleak. People have speculated whether McCarthy will even last the season. I think he'll at least coach through the end of the year just to have the organization save face, but I think if things continue to be this bad, day after the season's over, he gone. He we'll see. Get his act together. Yep. Because, I mean, right now, people are angry at Jerry because he gave him the vote of confidence. But Jerry, your palace is cracking at the seams. What are you going to do about it? You going to patch it with concrete or super glue it? Yeah, it remains to be seen what his strategy on that's going to be. But let's go north of the border for just a minute. We got a couple of news and notes from the CFL. First one being that Ed Hervey has stepped down as the GM of the BC Lions. It was a curious move in a year where we didn't have any CFL football. I don't know how much we should be reading into this, but Hervey's actually had some success. He was, after his playing career, he was a scout for the Edmonton team for about eight years. Then he was the GM for a few years. And in his third year, Edmonton won the Grey Cup. After the 2016 season, he went to BC. And he had been there for three seasons. I'm sorry? Is there any update on that name change for Edmonton? No, I've still not heard anything about new Edmonton name. Oh, boy. I'm still hoping that we get something good. And I can promise you whenever something is determined, it will be discussed in great detail. It sounds like the Eagles is the favorite, but we haven't done the uh, trademark yet you see my thought is the merchandise because if you're going to change it once right like they're talking about the Washington football team that's going to remain which makes sense because you don't want to involve politics or anything else but I get that part but you want an identity a clear identity and 
What do you do for a logo? The W just doesn't do it for me. The double E doesn't do it for me for Edmonton. Just my two cents. That's all it is. Well, Edmonton had that double E when they were called Edmonton Eskimos, and I think they're going to try and keep their color scheme with yellow and green, and if they keep the logos and all that, and they just can call themselves the Eagles or something like that. Eagles seems like it would be the safest choice, and I think it would last. Well, Some I mean, of these other ideas, I don't think eels, they'd last. Right? It's better than eels, right? Because where is there an eel in Edmonton? For real. Energy. What's what's the uh, logo going to be? A solar panel? Or is it going to be like, oh, wait, we got the Oilers here, and we're going to have the Edmonton Energy solar panels over here. What's next? The Edmonton to- Oilers is going to be offensive because it's not energy efficient? Well, let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. I'm just saying, when you have Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton Energy in the same place, it's just kind of, it's just kind of weird, and it doesn't have a ring. It doesn't have a ring. It really doesn't. And the second thing to note is, Dustin Nielsen of TSN said this week he's optimistic for fans in 2021. But with that league, gate revenue is so crucial because they don't have the same TV contracts that the NFL does. So I'm just not sure how it would work without fans. Can we tap into that, actually? Because, I mean, obviously I'm I'm technically a New Englander. I work over in New York, whatever the case may be. But what kind of TV deal does the CFL have? I mean, is it just you got to attend the game and it's on local TV only? What is it? Well, they have a deal with TSN, and TSN will broadcast games on ESPN2 sometimes in the States over the summer. So they do get some money from it. It's just but not goes by time very because substantial. There's so many other sports that they would air rather than the CFL. I mean, baseball, even tennis or golf or there's any other sport that they would do outside the CFL. So I'm kind of just wondering for the league, right? I understand that the same thing with hockey in, you know, the NHL, and it doesn't matter what city, the tickets matter. I get that part. My only thought is, is there a way that they could strike a deal? I mean, do they go to YouTube? Do they go to Apple maybe? Is there a way that they could get something in? Because if you're occasionally on ESPN2, there's nothing consistent or growing your fans. Is there something they can work through it as a league? That's actually a really interesting idea if they could hammer out a deal with a specific service. Because as it stands, it's been like, you know, there's a game or two on a given weekend in the States. And, you know... They try and rotate them out, although you see some teams more than others, so it can get a little well, need, hard to create a following. Yeah, I, mean, I it's agree. It's kind of like when you have, uh, it's like if you have DirecTV and you have uh, the occasional hockey game, it's like, okay, how many times are you going to see, let's say, the Oilers play? Okay, they're going to get how many time slots throughout the year? Four or five out of all the games, if you're lucky? 
whereas prefer right. to YouTube Plus where you got the whole package, it's part of the thing, or maybe you pay a couple dollars more for the package. I mean, anything for the league is great. And I'm thinking that this could extend past the NFL draft as well. It becomes a popular game, good for the league. Those guys deserve it too. They work hard. Yep, sure do. CFL really could use some more eyeballs on the league. And I think they could develop a foothold in the States if they really tried at it. That and I think you guys step in the door July. somewhere, except the big thing is, is these, not only just time, because if this is a summer league, right? You know how many times where it's a summer weekend and somebody's got to be like, hey, turn on that Canadian football, eh? Think about it. It's like if the Cardinals are on, the Yankees are on, Blue Jays are on. Yeah, very tough. Definitely. And I've heard other rumors, which are just rumors at this point, about them going into a bubble city for the 2021 season. But even in a league with just nine teams, like I don't know that that's feasible. Well, first off, I think there's going to be eventually where you're going to have to get a 10th team. There actually have been a lot of discussions for a 10th team called the Atlantic Schooners in Halifax. It, it, make, it makes it easier for one. And number two, with such a league, like if you're going to do this bubble, and I'm assuming nobody's in the stands, right? Well, that kind of remains to be seen. They might allow some fans in, just depending on the Canadian government. So... I understand the Canadian government and how all that works. For instance, the Raptors are going to be playing somewhere in America when the season comes around in about two months. But going forward, right, how are you going to be able to fund that? Now, granted, I understand that a lot of leagues are taking a loss. The CFL can't afford to take a loss like baseball. No, they could not. Baseball so far, $2.4 billion. That would shut off the CFL for good, that kind of money. That kind of loss of revenue? How do you get out of the tank like that? Baseball's a, Major League Baseball is a worldwide icon. The CFL's not like that, but how much money do, could they possibly empty out? Could they feed these guys? And these are big guys, bigger than me and you. Definitely. Could they feed and support these guys as well as give them a... I mean, these guys get salary, obviously, right? Could everything go in the works to give this a go? I'm thinking that's not possible. Unless you're going to get the Toronto Blue Jays owner, who's one of the richest guys in Canada, to say, hey, you want in on this? And he says yes. But I wouldn't do it. There's so much that needs to be improved. I think the first thing you need to do is see what they could do to expand. Because I understand how they're prideful. They're very good over there. And they have the biggest potential outside the XFL, outside the NFL. As far as football goes, it's very close. 
Austin rules getting there, but time zone difference makes it very difficult. But the CFL has a lot of potential. They just need to fill in the holes. Until they get that, I'm not sure if it's TV. I'm not sure if it's online. Once they work that out, maybe they can start doing these things. Until then, we're at a standstill. Yeah, the league did ask for help from the Canadian government to help have a season, but the government didn't bite on that. But, I mean, the CFL has been around for 100 years. I understand, but it's not the revenue like what they got with their basketball team and their baseball team. That's right. Another thing that's worth noting is that Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan are actually all community-owned teams. So you are correct in that the owners of the Toronto Argonauts are absolutely raking in the dough, but... Not that that could really create an interesting situation, like you mentioned. Who would get in on that? Who would fund all of it and all that? Are you how many, expecting? How many guys are on a roster? I think it's about like an NFL roster, maybe a little bigger. Okay, so if it's 50 guys, let's just say 50. It's probably more, a little bit less, whatever the case may be. 50 times 9 times the coaches times the medical. Then we got to find the facilities available. Right. Utilities, food, the stadium. And is it really a bubble if all these fans are coming in? I mean, if they're using the same toilet, I mean, they're trying to eliminate the virus the best way they can. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it would just depend on whether Canada felt comfortable dishing out a few tickets at social distance and some of those norms, but I think I, I think you gotta go online to get that revenue from somewhere. I'm not sure where that is. I don't think Apple would bite it. YouTube might or might not do it. You're gonna have to find something. I'm not sure if it's a Hulu account, uh I, I don't know how this would go. I would think maybe Hulu would be involved with like the live sports or something, but again, that's the only thing I can think of as far as revenue. I have no idea how much these tickets are charged. Probably not that much, I would imagine, right? In comparison? They really aren't that bad. In fact, I was looking at a game a couple years ago. In the lower section on the 50-yard line, you could get tickets for 50 to $75. And I looked at it and said, for the ticket and the airfare into Canada would be less than the same seat at a Cowboys game. <laughs> I actually got something for you. There's a guy I follow on Instagram, the World Series. I think this was game four, section 302. This is somewhere in the outfield, uh, third base side. He said his ticket was going for 800 bucks a pop. Him and his father went. Wow. So for that price, right, if COVID doesn't exist, we could essentially buy, the two of us could buy tickets, planes, and a hotel with two beds. Just about. Well, it would depend on where you're flying from with the airfare, but... Yeah. But te- but te- attention, uh, essentially, right? 
1600 bucks for the two of us? That could get us a long way. Definitely. I mean, that includes a plane. I mean, yeah. All we'd have to do is buy food extra. That's probably about it. Yeah, just about. So, yeah, I'm we'll, definitely we'll, hoping. We'll, 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 we'll table this for now, but this is going to become a big segment later on, I think. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that the CFL can become a more integral part of this show coming going forward because it really is quality. I know a lot Absolutely. of people bag on it, just, but it's good. I mean, good content's good content. It's like, what if you call it A tier, B tier, whatever? Good, qual- I mean, quality is quality. That's just it, cut and dry. Yep, definitely. So now we're going to go down under for a little bit. So the Richmond Tigers took home their third premier ship in four years, and back to back as they defeated Geelong in the wee hours of the morning here in the States. In the second quarter, Richmond was down 35-13, to 13, and they had absolutely nothing going for them. They hadn't scored in the entire second quarter. And then in the last minute 20, they got a behind and a goal. So they went into the locker room. They were down 35-20. to 20. And then in the third quarter, they kind of started to find their footing a little bit. And then in the fourth quarter, they just ran away and ended up winning 81-50. to 50. The first half, Geelong really was playing well. They were pressuring every pass and seemed like they were almost beating Richmond at their own game. But it, I don't know what happened to the Cats if they just ran out of gas in the second half and Richmond was just too strong. It was just a really unevenly paced game. But, you know, at the end of the day, win's a win, so glad my team takes home another championship. And the post-game ceremony was really striking for me. I hadn't actually watched it before, one of these grand final post-game ceremonies. The first thing that happened was they bring the stage out, and then the captain of Geelong, the losing team, comes up, and he said a few words first. And then after that, the Richmond captain came up, and they... He said a few words, and then they presented the medal, the Norm Smith medal for grand final MVP to Dustin Martin. He said a few words, and the winning coach said some things. And then the most interesting part for me was they presented all the Richmond players with medals for winning, and so what they did was they had a a group of kids. They gave them the medals, and then the players were given a championship hat and then they would give the hat to the child, and the child would put the medal around the player's neck. And I thought that was actually a pretty sweet tradition right there. I noticed throughout the whole thing, there was a lot of respect for your opposition, and even the Geelong players stayed on the field pretty much the whole time. So That's kind of cool. Yeah, a lot because of respect in that Because it's like game. the NFL, it's like uh, the confetti falls down all over the place, they'll hug each other. They get their families out, and then like an hour later after the award, they all head into a locker room change. And, I mean, uh, McCole Hardman, one of my favorite Chiefs, 
he was live streaming from the locker room. And, you know, he's saying some words of motivation, somewhere with, with uh, teammates, and then he goes, hey, man, who's got the cigars? Which is actually going to be funny because uh, me and Anthony K, he does uh, Sports Fluent. He's supposed to get a couple guys uh, from Worst Take, and we're going to debate on uh, LeBron versus Michael Jordan. I'm going to look like LeBron James when he's celebrated. But instead of the Oakley goggles, it's going to be Oakley glasses. A bottle of champagne, a cigar, and we're going to have a good time. That does sound like a good time. When you mention cigars, all I'm going to think about is Joe Burrow after the national championship just sitting in that folding chair. Cigar. <laughs> just like it was no big deal. <laughs> it is funny, though, to say the least. Yep. And no matter what happens, that guy is a warrior. He reminds you of that that Viking on the battlefield. You've seen the hits he's taken. You see the throws yep. he makes. And it doesn't matter where or loss. Now, this guy doesn't lose often, at least so far. But that guy, it, it, it's like he puts his axe in the air and goes... No matter no matter what, I will triumph. He's just awesome. Yeah, definitely true. I think Cincinnati really got themselves a good one. And yeah. could have another really good decade, perhaps even better than what they had with Dalton and Marvin Lewis. Bengals fans... Certainly hoping for that. I'll just say, though, who knows? We might be saying the same thing about Tool. We might be wearing freaking hulas. <laughs> I suppose anything is possible. Well, and I mean, hey, I mean, you got to enjoy yourself. Like, I mean, I feel bad for the teams in New Jersey and the teams like the, the Alice Cowboys because this is around the time where I say, you know what, guys? Watch hockey or find a football team. And the closest we're going to get to basketball is close to Christmas Day. Right. And before that, it's like, okay, what do you do until draft night? I mean, the Mavericks look promising for the Alice Cowboys. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets look promising for the Jersey fans. I mean, the Knicks, we know that. I mean, my team is, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but uh, shush on that. <laughs> Haven't done the reveal yet. I'm waiting for the package to come, hopefully tomorrow. I'm looking forward to seeing your video of that. But yes. now let's go across the pond for just a minute and recap some of the action on the pitch. Premier leading Everton, they fell in for the first time in their sixth match of the year, losing 2-0 to Southampton. But they are still atop the Premier League, tied with Liverpool at 13 points. Aston Villa, our darlings from last week, they lost 3-0 to Leeds United, a team that was promoted this season and could finish in the top half of the table fairly easily. Leeds is a good quality side. Patrick Bramall ended up with a hat trick, scoring all the goals in that game. And the, both Manchester teams are really struggling. 
City drew 1-1 with West Ham over the weekend, and United's ended up duking it out in a goalless draw against Chelsea. But it's still early on in the season, so United's only six points behind Everton and Liverpool at the top of the table, so, I mean, that's just two wins, so don't panic quite yet. That's all I'm saying with the Premier League, though the opposition looks better than ever in that league. United's currently 15th in the table, so they have some ground to make up, and some of those mid-table teams are looking better than ever, like Wolverhampton Wanderers and Newcastle. So, definitely watch some Premier League. It's good action. Speaking of good action, Dutch club Ajax scored 13 goals in a victory this weekend. They have dominated the Dutch sides for years, and they set a new Dutch record with a 13-goal margin of victory. I mean, that was the same score we saw the U.S. women's team put on Thailand in the World Cup. And it was just... (laughs) That was all I could think about seeing that score. I don't know if the gap in Dutch football is really that big or or if it was just one of those days where just nothing went right for... The opposition and just everything was going in for Ajax. We shall see. Yeah. Was a crazy day. But anyways, let's come back and wrap it up as we always do with a look ahead to week eight in the NFL. Starting with the, with the Thursday night matchup, we got the Falcons going to Carolina to take on the Panthers. You know, uh, because of the Atlanta defense, I'm going to put my faith in uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I'm going Panthers. Fun fact, uh, by my by where I am, about three towns over, there's actually a town called Bridgewater. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Bridgewater, Connecticut. And it's got a great fair, but canceled because of the virus. But yes, great to, great place to be. Yep, I keep hearing Christian McCaffrey may come back for this game. But even if he doesn't, I'm with you. Carolina all the way. I mean, Mike Davis says, I mean, he's not Christian McCaffrey. But he's definitely subbed in just fine. Certainly. It's the it's the system. Yeah, Carolina has weapons on the outside too with DJ Moore who had a big game against the Saints. Robbie Anderson has been productive all year. So Yeah, I mean I think McCaffrey would just make them even better. Just make them a little bit stronger, yeah. Yep. The Falcons are just in crisis mode. You have to go then until they really face the Jets or somebody else. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they've played well their past couple of games, but they're a team that's kind of stuck between needing to rebuild and having a bunch of old guys. Like, 
They're kind of built I mean, to win now, but they need to too. blow it up. It's bad luck, too. Because as far as I'm concerned, right, that last play where they have the penalty, guy runs over the running back, whatever, my thought is this. You have one play, two seconds left on the clock. You don't even have to pass rush too bad. Guess what you got to do? Coverage. Hockey in the end zone, who has not, he's not been up to expectations. Not yet, but maybe this is the turnaround for him. Lions are looking pretty good. They've won three of their last four. It's not not like a wide receiver burned you. You let a tight end move left, and he was there. Bad luck and bad coverage. That's our defense. They played a great game until that last drive. I'm not sure if they got too comfortable. I'm not sure if they all sat down and got cold. But pay attention to Matt Stafford. He is disrespected. He has the second amount of comeback wins since 2009 behind Drew Brees. Respect that guy and keep watch. Definitely. He's never gotten the respect he's deserved because of the uniform and everybody just said, Calvin Johnson was the reason he looked good, which is bogus, but... But Detroit is cursed. They are. Name a great Detroit team the last decade. You have the Detroit Tigers. That's over with. God bless the owner that passed on. He owed the Red Wings, too. But right now, baseball, not great. Hockey, not great. Football, that's self-explanatory. Plus bad ownership. And the Pistons? Okay, but not great. It's a hard sports city to be in right now. Outside of Atlanta. Yeah. You have a lot of Detroit teams kind of in transition right now. Tigers but rebuilding like and Red Wings seems rebuilding. seems like they've been in transition for a long time. Well, it's been a few years for each of them. But anyways, let's what, get what back mean, to it. Where are they going to get back to it? It's just terrible. We'll see. Moving on to the Sunday slate of games, we got the Patriots at the Bills. I've picked against... I've picked New England the last two games they've lost. So by rule, got to go with Buffalo. I think this will be a make or break. This will be the end of Cam Newton if this fails. I'm going to go Bills. And I'm going Bills with confidence. Cam Newton needs to step up. Otherwise, guess who should be in there? And guess who's going to be the scary enough to be having a top 10 overall pick possibly the patriots the Quite team that possibly. never rebuilds what can he do with a top 10 pick 
Is he going to blow you away and be like, oh, God, are we screwed? Or is he going to do something like the Giants did and be like, oh, yeah, Daniel Jones. Where everyone kind of goes, huh? Bill Belichick hasn't had a draft pick like that in a long time. No, he has not. Our next game of the weekend, the Titans go take on the Bengals in Cincinnati. As much as I like Burrow, I'm going Titans. We have to. It's just that Cincinnati defense is just not meant to hold a top five team. Yeah, it's not that's good what at the all. the Titans are. The Titans are a top five team in the NFL the Bengals just aren't structured to handle that. Is the Titans' defense great? I don't think it's great, but we have that defense that... Is there a star player on there that crosses your mind as a game-changer? Himself being a game-changer? For the Titans? For the Bengals. Oh, for the Bengals, okay. Well, Carlos Dunlap can still make plays, but he's kind of been in and out of the lineup this year. I think they still have Geno Atkins, but he does he's also been around a while, so he's past his prime well, that's from what, what I'm I've saying. seen. I don't think those guys could change the outcome anymore. So if we go by the core, this is a weak core. I think if A.J. Brown did well last week, oh, I can't imagine what he's going to be like going into Cincinnati. Yeah, he definitely could have a big game. Derrick Henry is going to build a train station in Cincinnati for himself. It's going to be epic. Quite possibly. Next game on the list, we got the battle, a crucial one in the wild card race between the Raiders and the Browns. Ooh, interesting. It's close. Very close. Huh. For me, I'm going with the Raiders. I've expressed that I was kind of up and down on the Browns. and Without Odell Beckham anymore after he was lost for the season, that's definitely going to take away a facet of the Browns' offense. So, I just fancy the Raiders in this one. I'm going to go the Browns because if we look at the weapons that are on there, the potential's there. If Odell, if his, if his presence is a problem, he's gone. Just remember that Baker Mayfield, and I'm actually going to give him credit where it's due. A guy that was about to have one of the worst career games of the year for anybody. Had one of the worst first halves I've ever seen. Statistically, 
and just the way every time he snapped the ball. Second half, he scores five touchdowns. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, which I believe he was the second wide receiver after Denzel Mims. I did all the way down the list. It was a big wide receiver draft. If he's going to replace Odell, I'm okay with it. There's plenty of targets on this team. As far as Odell not being there, not being involved in the huddle, this and that, it makes him less predictable. Raiders' defense isn't all that great. It really just comes down to defense on both sides because Henry Ruggs, well, that's really going to be the X factor. If he's healthy, go for it. But I'm just going to go Browns because of what Baker uh, left with an exclamation mark. I could be very wrong, too. Just kind of regretting this the more I talk about it. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Next game up, we got the Colts at the Lions. Ooh. Hmm. Huh. I got to go Colts. Lions defense isn't pretty. And the Lions had a hard time scoring against the Falcons. That's self-explanatory. This is really ironic when you consider that you were doubting the Colts a couple shows ago, and then I was saying that I was putting I was. them at... Yeah, you said you didn't have a lot of confidence in Phillip Rivers, and I know I just put them at the five spot in my AFC power rankings, but I'm actually going with the Lions in this one. I just think they got something going on now, and I think they'll just keep it going. You just see a spark and it's going to go? I do. That's fair. And yes, am I? Do I think that the game is going too fast for Philip Rivers? Absolutely. But my thought is that should have been a loss against Detroit, against the Lions. That's a that is a pass heavy team. And you had a hard time scoring against a land that doesn't have any single starting secondary position. You're not going to do that with the Colts. And the pass rush is better. The rush defense is better. The offense is going to have a hard time. So that's what it really came down to. If it was based on quarterbacks, I'd go Lions. Right. It is interesting to see that the Colts are a defensive team now after Peyton and Luck were there and they were just all about putting up points, but now... Times have changed. But anyways. Both of those guys were the top draft picks of the decade, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Times have changed. Yep. On to our next matchup. Packers hosting the Vikings this weekend. I don't think much needs to be said. Give me A-Rod and the Pack. Give me the bad man, please. That's like me going to a deli and being like, hey, bake egg and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. Routine. Green Bay? Vikings? 
That's not on a primetime game, right? No, it's not. Even regular game, same thing. Definitely. Routine, man. Routine. I I can't I can't vote against that. I just can't. Yeah, next game probably not going to need much else to be said. Jets at the Chiefs. KC all the way. <laughs> There's going to be my father and our buddy Jesse, both Jets fans, and I'm going to be wearing a Chiefs hat. I'm not even sure if the game's going to be turned on. If it's not on, I don't care. This is an easy one. I I hate being that cocky, arrogant guy like I'm a Boston fan too, but still... What are the chances the Jets win this game? Do we want to do the numbers? Because it just will make it sound depressing. Eh, this time I'll pass. Yeah, because I think you're going to see Chad Henney in there again. Quite possibly. We might. The only thing that would make this game worth watching is the Le'Veon Bell revenge tour. How many yards he puts up against his former team. Oh, you just gave me an idea, Josh. (laughs) What's your idea? Well, you know, maybe this might be something we could do for the show, but is there like a couple of guys for this week where you want to just look at their performance? Because I got Le'Veon. As far as him going off, I have Chad Henney making an appearance in the Chief game. Is there anybody else who's going to explode, good or bad, this week, since we're kind of on a topic? Ooh. Like, is Kirkling Cousins, which, by the way, when I was doing Power Rankings with Makana, we had a big joke. What do you do for a Kirk Cousins Halloween costume? Kirkland brand trash bags. Wow. We we had a blast, seriously. That that was just that's something I will never forget. Kirk Cousins, Kirkland brand trash bags. Easy cosplay. Yep, but as far as a couple guys could break out, we'll touch on their games a little bit more later, but Brady and Gronk going against the Giants. I think they might be out for a little revenge. I I think that's also a no contest. Yep. That's Bucks all the way. Definitely. We don't have to talk about it, it's just that the Giants, they stink. Yeah, they compete, but they just don't have the quality to compete. There is no quality. That's dollar store quality. Another team that actually has stars on there, but... I don't know if it's system, locker room, new coach. Something isn't right. Jabril I mean, Peppers, good player, 
Logan Ryan, good player. Golden Tate, good player. But if you look at everything here, you got to tell me all of it's on the offensive line? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I Joe Judge that. is building from square one, and he has a quarterback that was not his guy. So there's just bugs to be worked out with that team. Well, actually, here's the deal. Because we, you could quote this from me if you want to as well. Be, same, same, thing with the, same thing with the Colts and Phillip Rivers. You'll remember this. But you want to know why I'm not a big fan of a guy going, oh, I didn't draft this guy, I have no attachments? Why not? Let's just look at it here. And there was a time where they were going with uh, Matt Patricia and Matt Stafford saying, this isn't going to work. Some guys didn't say, oh, I don't like the way this guy prepares, or Matt Patricia was late to a meeting, whatever the case may be. But the reason why I'm not a fan of firing coaches after one or two years is because even Bill Belichick said it, you have a three- to four-year time period where you have to adapt and be fully into that new system where if that's old players new players free agents drafts uh you gotta figure out what you have as far as talent goes uh learning a new playbook possibly all this transcends a three to four year period so if you have a quarterback that you're gonna say oh i'm gonna tank this year so i could get a quarterback that's my guy or I want to sign one, or the only thing that's going to do is delay that process more. Could you imagine one of those small market teams? It's like, you've been here for two years and you've been a complete failure. You have like seven wins in two years. What do you got to say to yourself? Oh, I have to draft a quarterback. What's the owner going to say when you drafted a quarterback and he's, well, sure enough, two years goes by. Now what? You delayed it before, you're going to delay it again? You're expecting another contract? Because everyone is trying that, right? Everyone's like, oh, I want my own quarterback. You could say Matt Rule wanted Teddy Bridgewater and not Cam Newton, which that seemed to be a good play as of right now. But that's just like, hey, Whatever team there is out there, right? Because you see the teams the last couple of years that have been intact. They've been, hey, this is our guy. But then when there is a time where they're just like, you know what? We need change. Look at the Ravens. Easy transition. We looked at the Chiefs. Easy transition. If you're going to delay this, oh, I need my guy, you're going to have a guy, you're going to have a head coach in that system. He's going to wait a year or two. And then after two years, he's going to say, oh, well, if we want this to work, I want my own quarterback. You could have said that two years ago. If you're not going to be clear, if you're not going to work with what you have, if you're going to take two years to find your identity, that the only thing that organization's going to be is in shambles when you leave. And then the owner's going to have to find somebody who he trusts to start all over again. How many times is that culture going to be in place swapping back and forth for a decade? Two times? Three times? If you're the Browns, six or seven times? Yeah, we've seen that. It's a big part of the game. With Cleveland, with Jacksonville, with 
Yes. Some of those teams, that just seems like it's a hamster wheel for them. And if you look at teams like the Bills, right? The Bills weren't great for all... They weren't great a couple of years ago. No, they the weren't. Of the decade outside of... If you remember, Fitzmagic was there on a horrible contract. We weren't yep. saying, oh, Fitzmagic. We were going, yeah, 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 yeah. Beard guy from Harvard, whatever. He wasn't anything. And that's why the Patriots stomped all over them for all those years. Yep. So when you don't know what you're doing, if your organization and your system is garbage, you're going to have the good teams be good to the part where they could lose a key player good, and they're going to continue going on while you're still in shambles for years to come. Definitely. But let's get to the rest of this week's matchups. We got the Rams at the Dolphins. Welcome to the NFL, Tua Tagovailoa. I gotta go Rams. It's a hot team. I'm very concerned of the Dolphin, uh, the Dolphin uh, offensive line, particularly on the right side. Which is the blind side of Tua. Yep. I'm not going to make any jokes. I'm just going to be real. Tua, welcome to the NFL. Just be careful. And with that, I'm going Rams. I will agree with you on that one. And the Chargers at the Broncos. Chargers. Yep. Two young quarterbacks. I'm going Chargers as well. Interesting matchup. Saints at the Bears. Ooh. Ooh. This could really go either way. Uh, give me a minute. Tell me what you got. I'm going with the Saints. All right. A reason or... I think the Saints are finally getting it together. We'll see if Mike Thomas actually plays. It's just after the Saints' slow start, I feel like they've started getting it together. I mean, with the Bears, you never know what you're going to get out of them. They had two massive comebacks this season. Without that one against Detroit and the one against Atlanta, they're 3-4. and four. So, so you think the bear magic is up, or I guess you could say that in one sense. I, I just don't think you're going to be able to come back against a team like the Saints. Very well. We shall see if Drew Brees is going to release the ball quickly. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be out for this week again because of the COVID protocol, but uh, which is sad for my fantasy team. But uh, I'm going to go Saints because if we go by just the system, uh, the offensive line, uh, yeah, I'm piecing it together. I'm going Saints. I just don't see the Bear defense uh, excelling the way it should. And 
is Matt Nagy and Nick Foles going to go against, uh, well, I think they're going to be in for it. Right. Always a good game, though. Yeah. I'll watch the whole thing. Yep. Next Three one TVs we got. Right here in the garage. Oh, yeah. Yep. Next one we got the 49ers going to Seattle. Ooh. And that's the last one, right? Because we already said that Bucks are going over Giants, right? Easily. Well, there's two more games. Uh, oh. We got one game which we're probably going to bag on and one game which we're going to praise. I'm keeping the game that is going to be on Sunday night and the game that should be on Sunday night for the last. Gotcha. Uh, back to Niners Seahawks. Uh, I got to go 49ers. I understand that the running game is hurt, but... The Seahawks D is going to be tested again. That's what it comes down to. If Jimmy G has got himself together, hopefully. That could go either way. That's a coin flip. It really is. Jeff Wilson, who scored three touchdowns, this Sunday is going to be out. So now we have Jamichael Hasty going to be the featured running back for the 49ers this week. We'll see what he can do. Thing is, my rule again, I've picked against the 49ers the last couple weeks after I waffled and went back to the Rams. And then I'm against the Pats. 49ers stomped on them. So I was like, all right, against the 49ers two weeks in a row. Got to pick them now. So, yep. Got to go Niners. Now we've got the current Sunday night football game, which is an NFC least showdown between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, let's watch the paint dry. <laughs> Not that bad, but pretty close. Eagles. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a blowout? I don't think it's blowout. I mean, we'll see about that. Uh, I think Dalton is in protocol, right? Yes, he is. So he's not playing, right? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but maybe he could. If not, it's going to be Ben DiNucci time. Well, hey, who knows? This could be... This could be Nate Peterman, or this could be uh, Marcus Mariota type. We shall see. Or yeah. possibly Blake Bortles, who knows? Maybe. Anyway, I think the Eagles roll. And now for the last game of the week, yes. the, the one I hope will ultimately get flexed into that spot, but probably won't, the Steelers and the Ravens. That should be the prime time game, and not these Bucks at Giants. Come on. Well, I mean, with Bucks Giants, that's Monday night. That's really hard to do. So, well, that's I'm, what I'm saying. It's like it should. That prime time game is not going to get a good review. That that's a wash. The one o'clock games are where it's at this weekend. It really is. I'm gonna go. Steelers, and that's because they're the undefeated team. They have to prove it. 
That's fair. I'm going with the Ravens. I think coming off a bye week, they're going to be rested and ready for an absolute take-no-prisoners battle. It'll be good for football. Although, uh, do we have a case for Big Ben being a comeback player of the year? Oh, I think there's a pretty good case for that. Not unanimous, but who's who's after him? Who's after that guy? That's a really good question. Of course, you could argue Alex Smith just for the sentimental value of coming back from the leg injury. A- absolutely. Project 11 played, what, just two quarters? Yeah. Let's research this. See if there's anything. A couple guys said Cam Newton, but, you know, eh, that ain't looking pretty. Not anymore, it's not. (laughs) Uh See if there's anything recent. The only thing I got is September. But only going to week eight. That could change. AJ Green, not happening. Cam, not happening. JJ Watt. Nope. Great player, hasn't done enough. Rob Gronkowski hasn't done enough. It's Big Ben. And then they say Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Miles Garrett, Antonio Brown, Matt Stafford. I think it's Big Ben. And right behind him is probably Miles Garrett. Yeah, that sounds about right. Leading sacks. I think it's him and then it's... uh, Donald, but most of his sacks came from that first Washington game? Yeah, it came from that Washington game, if I'm correct. Figures. Well, kind of easy for him, at least. Yep. So, all in all, looks like another great weekend of action coming up. Any final thoughts? Uh, One thing I want to do before we uh, let everybody know to our audience is I am, as we speak, sending a letter to the CFL and see if we will get a response. I am going to put in our thoughts about their revenue and how they could potentially grow the league. I mean, hard years, ticket sales, all that. Just to see if we could get any any feedback. Doesn't matter how. Just put in my two cents. Go for it. That sounds fantastic. If we get any response from the CFL, particularly when the times are dead, there's not much marketing. It's not dead, but it's very slow at the moment. If they could answer this email and somehow get back to me, I will let you know immediately. And we will bring this into next week. If not, I will try and see if I could do them by Facebook, Twitter, 
I'm going under the CFL.ca uh, slash contact us, and I'm filling something out at the moment, and I will send it. We'll see if we get it back. Very nice. Hey, think about it. If we could b- both watch the CFL sometime during the summer highlights or for board or maybe at work or something, I mean, we, this could really – could you imagine – if we tell them, hey, is there a chance you could go to Hulu Sports and they get something done? Think about what we did. Yep. Driving that change, man. Hey, driving the change or not, we basically put an impact on North American sports. How many people could say that one? Not too many. Yeah. Holy hell, this is all sitting in now. Well, if only, if only. All right. So hopefully we'll have some news to share next week. We hope. Fingers crossed, everybody. Yep. Relin Tex will do their best for you. As always. Definitely. Well, that just about does it for me, so you got nothing else, AJ? I think we will go ahead and wind this down. Uh, I think that's it. All right, sounds good. All right, on behalf of AJ on behalf of AJ Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.